0: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania, and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at W.R. Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome to the Keystone
1: Kickoff Show. I am Jim Colhonte, along with the always ready T. Frank Carr. Quarter to number one is brought to you by our good friends at New Trail Brewing Company. They brew their beer right here in central Pennsylvania and deliver fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. As I tell you all the time, your biggest dilemma is going to be which of their many options to select. That's why I really like their Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack, it's an absolute crowd pleaser packed with four different hoppy beers sure to please everybody at your tailgate. And if you're heading to State College this weekend for the game, make sure you stop at Hickey Beer Distributor. Pick up your new trail beer there. All right, T. Frank, a very impressive 45-14 win for the Nittany Lions this weekend. You ready to talk about it?
2: Yeah, yeah, let's do it. It's always nice talking about a blowout win because it's pretty nice, clean lines. There's some very obvious things that happen in this game.
1: And I always like to hear good comments versus the, the poor ones. But again, I am never sure how the team performed until I talk to you, T. Frank. Then I am sure. Let's start with that remade offensive line for this game. Count it. Three Starters were out of the game, and I thought it was still a pretty good performance by that group.
2: Yeah, it, it, overall it was. You know, there's always more things when you dig into the film and you rewatch it, and uh, some of the some warts didn't show up because some other players were playing very well on Saturday. But w- when you're considering that you have a true freshman left tackle who was a project player as a prospect and he's ready to play and helps you win a game by the time you're in week 10 of the college football season. That's an absolute resounding win. Um, you know, there's some I get, this is always the teachable moments on film for a player much easier in a win than it is in a loss. And uh, you know, to start here, we also must address that this is a Power 5 football team in Indiana, but it is not a very good one. Um, so there was some significant deficiencies in the talent perspective heading into this game that were clear to everybody, right? Um, so Penn State went in, and they were the better team. I think that's, again, you talk about project, uh, you know, projecting growth and the state of the Penn State football program. Basically, half of the backups for Penn State are better than the starters for Indiana. That's a very encouraging sign for where Penn State football is, given the offensive line has been a huge problem over the years.
1: Well, we've had the situation, T. Frank, as you said, problems at the offensive line. And I thought going into the season, depth was an issue for this unit. And if they did have injuries, especially having, you know, the if you want to look at it this way, three out of five, the majority of the starters were yeah. out. And especially the left side of the line, and let's look at that a little bit. You had a true freshman in Drew Shelton, and a first-year player in J.B. Nelson who changed numbers on us so everybody was confused. Who was this number 56 at guard for Penn State? Tell me about those two guys specifically and how they did in their first real – I think it's the first start for both of them.
2: Yeah, uh so JB Nelson didn't start because Hunter Norzad came out on the very first play, but effectively the starter for the game. Um and, and the good news was that uh Hunter Norzad was able to come back into the game later on. I don't think it was intentional that JB Nelson played in this game, by the way. Uh I do believe that once that once they had to break the seal on Nelson, it's like, okay, let's just play him. Um so he he got significant reps because of that, but if they could have avoided that, I, I think Pencey would have. But there was no avoiding starting Drew Shelton with uh, Olu Fashinu out of the game. And uh, he, I didn't notice him. You know, that when you're watching the game, you did not notice the left tackle. And that is, uh, I think, as high of a compliment as you can give for a guy in his first start. Like I said, when I went back and watched it, there were some uglier moments in the run game, especially where. He's making a couple mental errors, overrunning some assignments on the second level, having some losses that didn't show up because Catron Allen is very good at avoiding tacklers. But again, in general, he was, uh, he I wouldn't say he looked the part because he still looks undersized compared to everybody else, but he didn't play undersized. He, he was a very good run blocker in high school. That drive blocking showed up at times. He flashed some great athleticism to get to the second level. And uh, performed his job most of the time. But there are, you know, if you check out his PFF grade and you go, why is it so low? Some mental mistakes that he made uh, in some blocking schemes where he's supposed to pick up a guy or he's supposed to drop a guy and get another one and he didn't do those exchanges properly. Um, But again, those are teaching moments of saying, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. And and here's what happens when you don't. Uh, That led to a couple of you know, tackles for no gain, didn't destroy any plays. So again, you didn't notice you didn't notice these things because they didn't lead to obvious losses, which brings us back to it was a very good start because of that. Uh, the opponent was not set up to take advantage of his inexperience and he held his own. Uh, there was only one time in pass protection where he was one-on-one and there wasn't a stunt or something else that was added into the scheme to uh, get, you know, kind of a, a free rush on him. Uh, and he was able to, in that moment, still hold, uh, kind of get back into the rep and, and uh, play even with the with the defensive linemen. So it ended without a quarterback hit. So that's another huge thing is even if you lose, make sure you recover enough that the quarterback can still throw the football. And, and he did that. There were a couple times, and it wasn't just him. Uh, the offensive line in general really struggled with stunts. Once again, that came back. Alfred Bryant, the defensive end, number 92, he got a lot of runs at Sean Clifford, basically just because the the line was not communicating. And that includes the right side, by the way, where you had Juice Scruggs and Sal Wormley and Bryce Effner, all who have played this year significant time. So the, the left side got it a little bit. There were a couple times, but they didn't have as many obvious losses that led to sacks. Once, you, once again, going back to those two guys, and I think J.B. Nelson in particular played a very good football game. He showed power. He didn't make as many of those kind of mental mistakes. And when he latched on to guys, he was able to make a difference. You know, physically, when he, when he blocked guys, they moved. And that's a very good sign for the future.
1: And I think... Even though Indiana isn't the best team, it's still a Power Five, a Big Ten team, and you had three backups in there for the majority of the time. So I think very encouraging for the offensive line, and especially even going forward. Let's talk about some of the other positions. Let's stay on the offense a little bit. The receivers, they helped out the quarterbacks (laughs) a bit. there were the, The first scoring drive, Mitchell Tinsley. I I think they get forgotten because it was so early in the game, but he made a couple really nice plays.
2: Yeah. So the, interestingly, the game plan for Indiana kind of speaks to what happened on a couple of those plays and it's smart by Indiana. They took away the middle of the football field. They physically stood in front of receivers at an angle so that they could not run a route into the middle of the football field. And that took away a lot of Sean Clifford's first reads and some of those easy uh, slants and things that Penn State likes to run to get him a a clean read and get the ball out of his hands quickly. And when that happened, the adjustment was they were playing so hard and so shaded to the inside that Penn State just started running out routes, you know, sort of started running towards the sideline. And Parker Washington had a nice uh, catch along the sideline that converted a first down. Mitchell Tinsley on a third down, same thing. That one, of course, that's the point that Indiana was trying. Indiana was trying to get to, of yeah, let's let's see what happens when Sean Clifford has to throw all the way to the sideline. He overthrows the receiver a little bit, but Tinsley goes up and makes a great catch. And then the play that he made, uh, going down towards into the red zone on that explosive play, once again Indiana denying the middle of the football field and getting a stunt to get uh, Bryant into the middle of the formation and and flush Clifford out of the pocket. Clifford does a good job of keeping his eyes downfield while he's running, and then Lady Luck takes over. I mean, he throws the ball into contested coverage. He's giving Tinsley the opportunity to make the catch. So I I think that's been a huge change for this offense is that he's been getting more good reads there. You know, he's been doing a better job of putting that ball in a position where his receivers can catch it. And then Mitchell Tinsley fights for the football, and the ball lands into the belly of the defender. And he comes down with it like, you know, there's a certain amount of luck really bailed them out uh, in these situations, but they took advantage of it every time that Penn State got an explosive play like that. They scored a touchdown, so they were converting these big plays into touchdowns, uh, but when they had to drive the length of the field, they had to, you know, methodically move the football. They were still too inconsistent in execution from the quarterback position and, you know, the rest of the offense being in sync to manage putting together a lot of drives. But, you know, and this is the important thing, is to not over-accentuate the negative, they scored five touchdowns off of five explosive plays. So that's pretty damn good.
1: We're going to get to the quarterbacks in quarter number two. Let's finish with the other positions on offense, and let's go tight end. Brenton Strange made a catch <laughs> that, it's just phenomenal. When you make that kind of catch... I'm not sure how much you could read into it with it tells you how good this player is. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how much luck there is into it, but it was still a very special play.
2: Little column A, little column B, right? Uh and again, Sean Clifford threw the ball right by the ear hole of the defender and hit Brenton Strange in the face with the football. Did he intend to do that? I don't know. I, I highly doubt Sean Clifford uh, I was gonna did say, that intention. Let me
1: let me, answer, let, me answer, let me answer for you, T Frank. No, okay, but it was an no.
2: incredible throw. Like unintentionally, it was an incredible throw. He put it exactly where Strange could trap the ball with one hand. So, kudos to everybody, including you know this is what this is what we're talking about. Luck being on their side. Where last week, uh, a batted ball results in an interception and, and a pretty impressive one this week. Um, they get an interception on a batted ball and Sean Clifford throws two hail Mary's on like second down in the middle of the field. And it comes up with a great play. So I think you'll take it like that's, you'll, you'll take that as a, as a Penn State football player and as a fan Appreciate the gift from the universe, I guess, because it did help them go and blow out Indiana so that you got to see Drew Aller in the third quarter, starting with seven minutes and 30 seconds. So you got extended Drew Aller time thanks to luck and people throwing footballs and, and them catching it randomly. Or not randomly, we will, I don't know.
1: We will get into that Drew Aller part of it, like I said, in quarter number two when we do the quarterbacks. My last thought on it, though, is some of these plays against indiana you have the better athletes you have the better players when that kind of contested play is made it shouldn't be a surprise that your player made the play yeah when you're playing ohio state guess who probably has the better athlete the better player
2: or somebody that can turn their head around and look for the football and run
1: There you go. That is it for quarter number one. Stick around quarter number two. We'll talk about those quarterbacks.
2: Stay tuned.
1: For daily coverage of the school, team, and place you
0: love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T E K Results.com or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in Central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at W.R. Hickey and other craft beer retailers.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. And our quarter number two is brought to you by gopsurv.com. It's where you drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and an RV is all set up and ready for you to enjoy the whole weekend. It's a great experience. If you haven't made your arrangements yet for this coming weekend's game, no better way to do it than to enjoy the weekend with gopsurv.com. If you want to reserve an RV, give Mark a call at 800-519-8467. And if you tell him you want the KSN RV special, you'll get $500 off. It's a great deal, and you will have a good time. I guarantee it. All right, T. Frank, it's that time. We've got to talk quarterbacks. Yeah. A 45-14 win. Sure, Sean Clifford had one interception, but other than that he pitched a pretty much a perfect game right
2: yeah no uh, no so th- <laughs> this is this is what i want people to listen to i don't want them to listen to when i say listen when i say that two of the interceptions at ohio state were not his fault i want you to listen and hear me say he did not play well against indiana in a blowout i don't care what the end result is i'm going off of the process of what he did during the football game and in this game Indiana, once again, got to Sean Clifford. He mitigated the big mistakes outside of the one interception, but overall, he was a bit of a hindrance to the offense being consistent on Saturday because of his typical things, which is he does not perform overly well under pressure, and he, uh, you know, starts to flail. And and he kept it together long enough so that the Penn State defense could throttle the, the Hoosiers and the offense could put together drives and make some plays. And the plays he did make, the best throw of the day from him was dropped when it hit um, uh, Theo Johnson in the hands, would have been a touchdown, and and he dropped it. So he was not terrible. He was not great. He was just there. And and honestly, to get Penn State to the end of the season, he might need to just be there um, outside of this next week, which we'll see
1: let's talk about a couple of things. And I mentioned this on our Monday show with Dustin. I thought uh, Dan Orlowski did a good job in evaluating Sean Clifford and pointing some of the things out that I agree with. And I want to look at something that two things that you wrote and you talked about on the play with the interception, I believe it was, you called it a boneheaded read. And the other one I'm going to quote directly from your article, you talk about him bailing from a clean pocket. Could you talk about those two criticisms of his play and just exactly what it means?
2: Yeah. So on the interception, he's predetermined where he's throwing the football based on the pre-snap coverage. So good news. Sean Clifford is smart. He is he is a he has a sound football mind. And I've said this, I think I've said this on the show many times, like I think he'll be a good coach think he's uh, if you put him on the whiteboard he is going to show you exactly what he's supposed to do in every situation. James Franklin talks about his preparation, all these things. That's why he's still the starter cuz he is football smart. But when it comes to the application of those skills when he gets to the football field, what he saw pre-snap, he refused to come off his first read. So it, this is tough because this is what Tom Allen does. He he does some things differently and he makes it tough for the quarterback. To truly see what is going on, until maybe it's too late to give that defensive line and that pass rush that aren't excellent a little more time to get there. So um, he, they, it's it looks pretty clear like it's a a man coverage play, but they slough off the the running back, they switch responsibilities, and you have your middle linebacker running deep with the tight end instead of basically instead of having it the other way around, having the safety run with the tight end. And if Sean Clifford just reads the play, just watches what happens instead of what he thinks is going to happen, Theo Johnson beat Aaron Casey down the field for a 20-yard gain at, at minimum. Like, if, if Sean Clifford hits him in stride, it might be a touchdown because the safety was at the line of scrimmage. So basically, if it is a zone coverage and they're just run, he's just running that way and they've got the right read, it's, it's a cover two sort of thing and uh, the tight end beat him. But functionally, it works as a man coverage play where you've got those three guys and they're playing kind of that area, that, z- that zone underneath. And because he thinks the safety is over top of Brenton Strange, um, he has a little bit of room, right? So there's a little more room for him to throw the football. But that's not what happens. You know, either he's expecting the linebacker to drop over that or the safety to drop, and neither of those things happen. So he throws into a tight window. The ball gets batted up in the air. It was a It was a bad throw to begin with. And then there's an interception. So if he just reads the play, Penn State is a big play, but he doesn't. Um, on the other play, we talked about how uh, Indiana had been successful for a good part of their game plan against the pass where they had denied the middle of the field and they had gotten good pressure with stunts. Uh, and that happened again on the play to Mitchell Tinsley where he tries to float the ball over Tinsley's head in the two-minute drill. Leads to a field goal. Um they ran the same concept, right? So they're still trying to get that guy through the middle of the the line of scrimmage, but he never gets there, and Clifford bails anticipating what's about to happen instead of being in the pocket until he has to leave. So, you know, it's interesting. Like, his greatest strength is also his greatest weakness of, like, he knows it's coming, and then he runs out of a clean pocket. And when you do that, you cut the field in half. This is one of my biggest frustrations with him, is that he intentionally cuts the field in half all the time when he doesn't need to. He does not use the full breadth of the play. What's happening on the backside? Every coverage has weaknesses, and he, despite knowing what they are, can never get to the backside of the read. Uh, and then there was another play, cover two. It's a, it's cover two man, so you got two deep safeties, and you everyone else is in man coverage. There's no quarterback spy. It's third down. Um, there is light pressure around him. Now, he does need to step up in the pocket, but Sean Clifford, against man coverage, runs the football. So, first read, not there, slight pressure, then he runs. This is copy and paste from season to season to season. Here's the problem. Everyone else knows that too. So, uh, Indiana keeps uh, a a spy, essentially. They keep the, the nose tackle back, don't rush him, and then that leads to a third down stop. If Clifford just keeps his eyes up. There's two plays he has, but he just he can't. Like that's a that's a flaw in his system where he can't keep his eyes up and see Parker Washington or Keandre Lambert Smith running down the middle of the field. That was another one that uh, Orlovsky pointed out correctly on on during the game live of the way Indiana was playing. They were taking away the underneath passes, and if Clifford just keeps his eyes up, Keandre Lambert Smith beat his guy by a step running across the field on a deep crosser. But these are the plays that he leaves on the table and he left fewer of them against Ohio State, but he left a lot of them on the field against uh, Indiana.
1: All right, let's go to the other guy. Drew Aller, he was 9 for 12. I don't know if he's thrown 12 passes in any other game or not. 10 was his high. So we did... Okay. So we got a pretty good look at him. My quick take, I'll give three plays that I was impressed with. One was when... He did bail out, ran, ran for first down. I thought he was very decisive and even made a move on a play. It didn't look at first like he was going to be able to get the first down, and he did. So for as big as he is, he still looked very coordinated running the ball. And then the two passes, the one to Liam Clifford, bullet right there, and the Mm -hmm. other one, which the – broadcast emphasized it was the one yard touchdown pass and they showed that great angle from behind the opposite end zone looking at it and you saw what the window was and I think it was to Trey Wallace he put it right on the money where it was supposed to be so those were the plays that impressed me give me your overall picture of how Aller did
2: good Um, so there's a couple of things, there's a couple of caveats that, you know, no one wants to hear, right? No one, no one cares about the caveats on this part, but, uh, the, uh, the game script is over at that point, right? So there's no game pressure. He can go out and play and play loose and confident because it's 31-7. Um, also all the things I just talked about, what Sean Clifford was facing, that's all spent and Indiana has, hasn't conceded the game, but they're not calling the same plays to do the same things to him. Now, some of those concepts are still there, and he executed well against those. Um, So there's the discovery phase of every game of Tom Allen coming off a bye. What's he going to do? What is the thing? that? So Aller didn't have to work through any of those things. He came in knowing what the plan against Penn State was. So he and Mike Yersich and everybody is all on the same page. But they were all on the same page, and he performed really well. So the first play you know you could make the same argument about Aller that he kept his eyes down and he runs but he was able to cut and run with subtlety that's the difference you can not if you make Sean Clifford change directions you've won the poor guy i don't know what's wrong with his knees but he can't change directions anymore um, so a good play by by Aller and mostly it's a good play because of the result of the play um the other one the touchdown to me that's the the really impressive one because it's his third option. Indiana had defended the play very well. They they anticipated the play action. They've covered Brenton Strange, and I uh, I think it was Khalil Dinkins. I'm not sure who it was. might have been Tinsley. Both of the receivers on the front side of the play are covered. Uh, in fact, they've double teamed Strange. So he's rolling out and he finds his third read, and he also realizes, like you said, the window is very small because Devon Matthews is peeling off to come take that guy and take that read. And he throws, as they say, a frozen rope into a tight window for a touchdown. That shows off mental processing, throwing on the run, which he can do. He's, he's more athletic than people, I think, realize. Even if he is not super athletic, um, he throws on the run very well and the, the arm power. The mental processing comes on the other play you talked about to Liam Clifford, where I'm not going to give him credit because he, he's doing a check with me the entire time. So you fake the snap, you see what the defense is in, he gets the protection call from the sideline, and he changes the protection call he does all he has to do all these things so he's doing it well then he looks to another check with me and they either change the play or just the formation right so they're bringing a guy, an extra guy into block and they're they're sending Clifford to the other side of the formation to run a slant so he executes all of those he's aware of the clock and he you hear him because it's dead silent in uh, during a blowout you hear him go hurry 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 and then he fits the ball into his own window throwing with anticipation and that arm strength that's where it matters Because he's got to fit that ball in between two defenders that are pretty close, and he gets the ball exactly where it needs to be for the first down. So those are all very great signs of mental processing, working through the play, changing the protection, all those things. He's got a command of all of those things. Um, So it's, it's all a good sign. It's all a very good sign.
1: I think you are telling Penn State fans exactly what they wanted to hear about Drew Al or T. Frank. All right. That is it for quarter number two. Stick around. Quarter number three, we take your questions and we ask T. Frank. Stay tuned for that.
3: New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in Central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd-pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone.
1: For daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.
0: We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third party software suites. Our clients include doctors' offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T E K Results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in Central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at W.R. Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm
1: Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. It's quarter number three, and we all know what that means. It's time to Ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions, and you can send them to us via the app. Just search Keystone Sports at your app store, download it, and you'll see the Ask T. Frank button. And at the end of the segment, T. Frank's going to pick out the best question. We'll announce it in quarter number four. And you get from our good friends at New Trail Brewing a nice gift package. You're going to enjoy it. Trust me. All right, T. Frank, are you ready for your questions?
2: Yep, let's do it.
1: All right, T. Frank, we just got done talking quarterback, so let's talk quarterback with the first question from Mark from Johnstown. Hey, T. Frank, love your analysis. I respect your critique of Clifford, but I'm not sure I remember hearing from you how you would handle the quarterback situation. Would you stick with Clifford, go to Aller, or do some kind of timeshare between the two?
2: <laughs> not that last one. Uh, either you play him or you don't. You know, like the timeshare thing, I have never seen it historically where it makes any sense whatsoever. Because, um, like what we just talked about in in the last quarter talking about drew aller's performance and the discovery phase of the game of what's happening and how is the team affecting you and and you're now trying to convey that information and execute between two different signal callers i just find that to be too convoluted and historically it's never worked you know the old i hate cliches but you got two quarterbacks means you got zero quarterbacks you know, maybe I'm just conservative in my old age and I am I live within my fears, as Mike Tomlin would say, but um, I don't know what I don't know about Drew Aller. And that's the hard thing of, like, I like what I see from him from, like, the bedrock things, but what doesn't he know? Does he know how to read the coverage when it comes up and it's something he's never seen before? Does he have the mental processing uh, and, and the kind of poise in the moment to overcome huge gaps of knowledge. Cause there are things that he's never seen before and you got to do it all in 2.2, 2.5 seconds. So like Tom Allen, what he did the other day, crazy things that he throws out there of taking your middle linebacker and running him deep with one of the best tight ends in football, because you, you know, the quarterback isn't going to see it uh, in that moment. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe Aller would. The the biggest three game stretch of the season, I don't think Sean Clifford played poorly, and I don't think that Drew Aller would have made up the difference in talent um, at Ohio State, and I think he would have gotten smushed by Michigan because they were in a smushing mood. They were able to do that, so I you know I I don't think the quarterback was the problem in either of those games necessarily from a throw to throw perspective. Um from this point on you know he's getting better and better and i'm having a harder and harder time justifying keeping him on the bench because he comes into these games and he looks so much better against the same players than clifford does um so probably i'd just stay with clifford but the last month of the season i don't know you know once you get once you get past this game against uh maryland that has a very good quarterback and like you need your best to win i wouldn't i wouldn't mind seeing him play more <laughs> starting i don't know
1: You know, I don't know if there could be that when I or our uh, questioner, Mark, said about timeshare, where it seems like there's an equivalency. I'm not sure, though, there would be. I don't think I would have a problem if we would see uh, certain times when Aller would come in when it still matters, you know. Could he have come in for a series in the second quarter yesterday or Saturday, and and played? And of course, when the game gets to the point where it it, again the way it did Saturday, where he ended up playing a quarter and a half and throwing twelve balls, I think the more you can do that, the better.
2: The being up twenty four to seven, there's there's a strong argument given how the defense was playing that uh, yeah you should be able to play him in that moment because it's it's already sort of a blowout when you're up by that many points against that offense. But, you know, again, the fear response is what if he throws a pick and gets Indiana back into the game and things snowball? So very quickly, Penn State was able to put together enough points that it was completely out of reach, and that that's the plan, right? It, the plan is to get the game so far out of reach that you can come in and he can make as many mistakes as he wants and he can learn from all of them. I just, you know, I agree. Seeing him in some more difficult circumstances would be great. I just, I don't think we're going to. I, I just don't think we will. And I don't know that I would either because I would want to win every single game. And if, if I had the nods that they do and they have more than I do and it seems to be pointing that way, I'd probably just want to win the game first.
1: By the way, if I were cynical, and you know that's not me, T. Frank. However, if I were, I might point out you might have Sean Clifford more likely to throw an interception (laughs) that's returned for a score. But fortunately, that's not me. That's not my style. So consider it unsaid. Let's start talking offensive line. Let's go to Ryan in Reynoldsville. Don't know where Reynoldsville is. T Frank, the O-line's been the biggest area of struggle since coach Franklin got here. Even with a promising new O-line coach a few years ago, it's been painfully obvious last year. The O-line was a major reason why the team struggled. While they started slow this year, I'm starting to see the O-line perform really well even with many starters out. I'm starting to think coach Troutline I was starting to think Troutwine was a bust. Latest results make me think he might be doing well. Are you seeing what I see, and what do you attribute the O line improvement to? Is it if it's coaching? What do you think is different? Le- if let it's me a jump different in here. Scheme development, or finally getting most players familiar and consistent with the new offensive system with Coach Coach Yersage. And by the way, I edited down that question.
3: Jeez.
2: Okay, so um, <laughs> history lesson here that no one cares about. Once again, here's the things that that people do not care about because they only care about the sixty minutes they watch. ...on TV. Phil Troutwine was hired right before the pandemic. Like, m- at months, hours, minutes before everything shut down. So his first recruiting class is always the last class of the guy before him. And that was the reason why uh, Matt Limegrover wasn't retained... ...is they were not getting high-end talent. They just were They were getting solid football players, but they weren't getting high-end talent. So he was not allowed to coach his guys in person for a full calendar year. They go into 2021... And, you know, as much as it is you are supposed to perform with the guys that you have, reasonable expectation says you'll perform better with the guys that you recruited and you selected and you helped mold. So he's he's had the opportunity to coach Fashanu from the very beginning, and you saw what he turned into. A guy with great tools turned into a guy with great tools that does everything really well. Drew Shelton, a huge project of a football player with lots of talent turns into a guy that was a good pass protector in his first game. He had never pass protected at Downingtown. Like, he just didn't ever do it. And when he got to Penn State, he became good at it in less than a year. So patience is what changed. All of this stuff is what was going on. That and, like, the talent floor has been raised this year. They've gotten more guys in the building. More players want to play for Phil Troutwine and want to make it to the league. And it looks like Penn State might have a top five uh, left tackle in the draft, which is going to entice even more football players to want to go to Penn State because they can get to the league at that position. So it's just patience. Um, Nothing has changed necessarily. I think some of the run blocking schemes from the offensive coordinator down have helped. And that's been a growth perspective from Yursich of kind of developing. And, and here's a quick example. They've been using a fullback on the front side of plays a little bit more because it changes the aiming point for some of the blocks up front, making them easier to get reaches and combo blocks in zone blocking. That's taking the pressure off those guys from being super athletes and and having five guys across the board that are NFL players. So a little bit of a tweak, but really the same coaching and the same things just consistent application of them has made these offensive players play better than we had seen you know good players not quite living up to that now the good players are living up to and exceeding expectations and i don't mean to be disrespectful and say the good players but you know high prospects guys that come in that are that are high value uh, acquisitions are starting to play like that
1: all right let's go to thomas in redding who says can you give me your thoughts on how the coaching staff is handling the running backs playing time and the type of plays that they run for each one of the backs.
2: Yeah, I think that they're trying to get guys. So Catron Allen can run anything. He can he can run, I think he could run in clown shoes and make three guys miss. So you can do whatever you want with him. Trying to get Nick Singleton some runs where where he reads less and runs more, I think is is kind of the sweet spot. Early in the season, it was uh, those counter plays where they're pulling and, and he's used to reading and setting up blocks, but he's re- used to doing that in space. And they can't just pitch him the ball and have him run out in space. It's too easy to predict. So they've gotten him a couple of opportunities to run to the edge. They've done a really good job of designing some special you know, wrinkles and some run plays to, to get him into open space and to run him you know, where he can use that speed to outrun angles. Um, And then, you know, like I said about outside zone, I think it's eventually going to be a very good system for him, but he's got to break that first tackle. He's got to, you got to stay on his feet and he's got to, you know, set some blocks up a little bit more. He does not have the same ability to set up blocks and read things and kind of predict, have that predictive running style. One of the things that Catron Allen does besides you just can't touch him is he sets up blocks well, and he makes things easier for his linemen and himself. And those are kind of the areas where they're trying to work around um, the gap in knowledge of coming from an old-school option system at... uh, um, I want to say Mifflinburg. It's not Mifflinburg. Governor Mifflin, uh, where Catron Allen was running semi-pro and college stuff at IMG.
1: I also was impressed with... There were two places... Two receptions, I know that little jet sweep they call the pass for um, Catron Allen, but those are opportunities to get these guys in space. A couple weeks ago, it was a screen pass to Nick Singleton, Yeah, Uh, and I know that's not something you could do all the time, and sometimes it's a check down to get to But here's the
2: smart thing about that, too. That play used to go to Singleton, but they know now... Uh, fat man's going to make somebody miss. And when you are out in space and he makes one guy miss, it's a big play. And it's about making the guy miss, not necessarily about having the explosive speed because you're getting the yards because two or three guys are just falling off of him. So it's been a good adjustment.
1: And I, I think we'll all agree that it was a quite a performance by Catron Allen. I still want to see Singleton in there. You know, he's that home run hitter that, you know, he's, He's still got more in him. Uh, He's going to pop some of those, and he'll get better at reading those blocks, just like uh, uh, Catron Allen. All right, that is it for quarter number three, T. Frank. When we come back in quarter number four, we're going to name the winner, and we're going to go back and finish up our evaluation of of our players from the Penn State-Indiana game. Stay tuned for that.
0: zero 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 welcome back to the keystone kickoff show brought to you by new trail brewing company new trail beers are brewed right here in central pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week when you're in happy valley be sure to find new trail at wr hickey and other craft beer retailers welcome back to the keystone
1: kickoff show it's our final quarter quarter number four I'm Jim Galanti along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, we gotta take care of business first. We had our Ask T. Frank segment. Who is the winner?
2: Ryan in Reynoldsville is our winner. Uh, he caught on a theme that I think is very important coming out of the Indiana game that we shouldn't gloss over. That the offensive line is better, and uh, even if they're not perfect, they are better, and players are playing better than they would than they have previously. So he's going to be our winner.
1: Very good, Ryan. I will be getting in touch with you. All right, T. Frank. Let's finish talking about the play on uh, Saturday, Penn State's big 45-14 win. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball here a bit. First off, I want to mention Kobe King. It appeared to me that this was the best game he's played as, as a Penn State Nittany Lion. He was, uh, of course, helped by the fact that Tyler Elsden was nicked up a bit, so he got more reps. What
2: did you see from Kobe King? You know, I thought it was good. Uh, I, I, <laughs> it, it's so tough because that was such a bad Indiana offense, and I don't want to overstate too many things because um, they did some things they should not have done. And, you know, actually uh, earlier this week when I was breaking down the film of watching what in the world happened, It was kind of what we talked about previously of they should have had the quarterback run game be a bigger part of the story. I think it would have caused Penn State a lot of problems, but Jack Tuttle didn't run the football. He had the option on a lot of plays, and he didn't. And because of that, it set up the Mike Linebacker, but Kobe King in these situations, to play downhill and to get on the other side of the line of scrimmage. And just kind of as an overall theme, Indiana runs up-tempo. And one of the things that I talked about with James Franklin before the game was, what's what's the advantage of running up-tempo? Well, it helps simplify the defense. You can't get exotic calls. You have to kind of play a base, vanilla look, and then they can execute against it. But here's the problem, Jim. When you're running up-tempo, you also can't call anything terribly complicated. You've got to keep things simple as well. And Penn State, shocker, has better athletes than Indiana. And when you have simple versus simple going fast, Penn State is faster they're stronger they're better athletes and kobe king when 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 it's clean and it's easy to read this defense attacks downhill violently and kobe king was a part of that and he executed his job very well
1: and being that guy in the middle he's the guy you kind of expect to have the most tackles what you also saw in this game and i like the way you said they were playing downhill and attacking the defensive line and the linebackers part of this, and also uh, sometimes they bring the safeties up, but there were 16 tackles for loss. Yeah, That's a pretty aggressive defense, and it's also a very dominant defense if you come up with 16 tackles for loss.
2: Yeah. So part of the game plan wasn't really to keep the safeties in the box. It was actually the opposite. So it was a fascinating situation where Penn State basically declared at the beginning of the game, our defensive line is going to handle this. And that's it. Like You're not going to run the ball and we're going to deploy minimal resources to stop the run and put everybody everywhere else. So they played safeties deep to take away some of the explosive passing that Indiana likes to throw. They like to throw the ball everywhere, but when you get too close, they'll go over top. Um, That didn't happen. I think they threw two deep passes all game before the backups came in. Um, and one of them was intercepted. So it just, it was not a good plan. And then five sacks. So they were able to operate from a situation of keeping guys deep and wide and letting the linebackers and defensive line control the middle of the field. This is again why I say the quarterback should have run the ball more. A lot of their offense is set up so that the quarterback is the primary runner. And then the option is going out towards the screens, right? So the running back is going out towards the formation where you got three receivers already out there. You can, you can start flowing your offensive line and try to get numbers out in space. But because Penn State was so, I don't want to say cocky, but confident, they just uh, deployed guys out there already, kept one or two linebackers in the box, and Penn State just beat up their offensive line just got on the other side of the line of scrimmage routinely. it was it was kind of laughable at one point like it was kind of I felt a little bad for Indiana that they were so bad at the football part.
1: Well they seemed absolutely helpless and the only thing that worked now you mentioned you know the quarterback running and even if it was just him escaping from the rush early yeah. in the game, in fact the series where um, Indiana scored the touchdown to tie, tie the game. It seemed like their most effective offense was a broken play or, you know, yeah. set up to, for a pass. Couldn't find anyone open. Rush is coming in. The quarterback escapes. Did Penn State adjust at all to prevent that? Or was that just happenstance? Or was it just the Indiana quarterbacks just weren't capable of escaping the pocket as it was collapsing?
2: Uh, here's my best James Franklin impression. It, it it's It's all of it. I can't do Not it. All. I just can't do accents at all. But yeah, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of all of those things. So they did adjust. Um, so the, you you only have so many resources as a football coach to deploy on the field. You only have eleven defenders. So because they were keeping two safeties ten twelve yards off the ball, and uh, they're keeping their linebackers shaded out towards the flat in passing situations. If you're going man coverage, you give up a quarterback spy. Because, you know, this is, again, I always go back to, you can run cover two, uh, you can run cover two man versus Matt Ryan, you cannot run it against Patrick Mahomes. Because if you run cover two man and you don't have a quarterback spy, these athletic quarterbacks can break the pocket and run. It's on the defensive line at that point to contain their rushing lanes properly and keep the quarterback in the pocket. And they weren't doing that. So what they did to counter that is, Um, they started stunting a little more. So they'd bring the defensive tackle to the outside for quarterback contain, and then they'd loop chop Robinson inside and um, attack the quarterback that way. And that kept him in the pocket because when when Robinson was just running upfield or before Curtis Jacobs was injured and left the game when he was attacking from the outside, they'd wash sideways, you know, laterally, and open up big running lanes down the middle of the field. A couple of times, Penn State had a spy ready, in the structure of the defense, but what the offense did and some mental errors, pulled that guy out of position. And then Tuttle was able to get to, to run the football. And then, like I said, they were selling out to stop the run. And Jonathan Sutherland, I, you know, from my view of the play, made a mistake of not going for the quarterback. I think he was supposed to have the quarterback read. And that's when Tuttle ran to the outside and got all the way down to the five yard line or whatever it was. So they were able to adjust. And then, you know, they just beat guys and got sacks. It was all. This game was very much heavily talent-driven of Penn State's defensive line, whether it was pass rush or run game, was on the other side of the line of scrimmage. And it was almost not a question on that play. It was just, who's it going to be? Gotcha.
1: Let's follow through a little bit more with the theme of the young players and how they performed. Uh, deny Dennis and yes, I know he got the interception on the tip ball. How did you evaluate his play?
2: He was good, you know, from a pass rushing perspective, he was quiet. So that's the thing, I think, that's his primary job, in my opinion, is pass rushing. But he's a good run defender. Again, he, he's a he's going to be an all-around defensive end when he's fully completed. They asked him to drop into, into some zone coverages and cover screens, kind of as a surprise, here's a defensive end when you thought you had numbers out in the flat. And he did that well. So he performed his functions within the defense. He got the interception, he ran with it. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't say it was a breakout performance or anything. He's he's rushed the passer better previously, and and that also comes back to Indiana wasn't trying to throw the ball deep at that point. Like they they kind of knew we got to get the ball out quickly throughout the game, and it was there. There were very few opportunities to get extended pass rushes of like a full drop back pass.
1: Hey, gotcha. All right, in the couple minutes we have left, T Frank, I know you haven't done your full film study on Maryland yet it's early in the week, but let's just talk quickly about uh, that team where they seem up and down. Remember, this is a team that gave Michigan all they could handle at Michigan. Okay. Yep. And at that point, I think some people thought, "Hey, there may be something there. I'm particularly fearful of, and cause I'll always screw up the name. I just call him Tua's his brother who, yeah. who's that quarterback there is the kind of dangerous player who can beat you with both his arm and his legs. So just preliminary going into this game, what do you think Penn State has to be aware of playing this Maryland team?
2: It's the downfield passing to me. Uh, That's in, in general, that's the problem that most defenses are going to have when, when you have a good quarterback is that, A lot of college quarterbacks, and and Penn State's faced some quality guys that can, at times, make good decisions and throw the football down the field. But they can't consistently attack the second window in the defense. And from what I've seen of them, the tackles are pretty good. So they give him a good enough pocket where he has time to get the ball down the field, and he doesn't always have to throw the ball. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't get a lot of pressure, because Indiana throws the ball all the time. All the time. All the time. So he's the main threat. And I haven't done a lot of work on their receivers to see what, you know, everything is around him. But, you know, his second-level throws and then things down the football field, he throws with anticipation. He throws with timing. He's aggressive, which leads to some interceptions. And that's going to be where Penn State has to win is they have to get some turnovers here. But, um, you know, you're not going to make this team one-dimensional, I don't think, you know, in the sense of, taking away the passing game, which is what they want to do. You have to just manage their run game historically. It's like, don't don't be dumb. Don't forget about it. But you have to be ready to defend every inch of the football field. That's what a good quarterback makes you do. He makes you pay when you either make a mistake or you don't get home because he can target all the parts of the football field. So it's going to be another good test for the Penn State Secondary. And uh, Talia, I, I think, is better under pressure than CJ Stroud. I haven't done a, an extensive breakdown of that, but I have seen uh, him make a lot of plays with his feet throwing. I don't necessarily consider him a running threat, but extending the play and getting, you know, the zones to break apart and spread open he can absolutely do that, and he keeps his eyes down the field. I mean, he's a really good quarterback. He's, he's going to be an NFL player if he's big enough and all those things because his mind is great and he's got a good arm. Yeah, he, is, quick, he is. By the way, he is one we... of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten throwing under pressure. So he's got five touchdowns, two interceptions, 51% completion percentage against the pass. Those are all excellent numbers.
1: Anything real quick we should know about the Maryland defense?
2: Uh, no, that's the from them? that's the part that I haven't seen a ton of what I do know is that I have not seen them get pressure on the quarterback so they run a three they, they run an odd front for the most part where they three big physical defensive linemen they want to stop the run and then you know Chop Robinson's the perfect example of what they want to have as a pass rusher somebody who can drop zone blitz things like that um and Jayshon Barham is their main pass rusher he's a true freshman that Pence they wanted that they didn't get so I think you know, this is another good opportunity for this offensive line if they have to play against this team. I think it's another good matchup again without a star pass rusher.
1: Very good, T. Frank. But that is it for the show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show.
3: New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, Newtrail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the Newtrail Hoppy Variety Pack. Newtrail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser, Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone.
1: For daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.
0: We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T E K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000.